Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. What I wanted to talk to you about today, what the Lord wants to say through me today, but I get excited, I'm excited to talk to you about, is about celebration. It's a big word, celebration. Is that four syllables? Celebration. And it's one of those words you slur a lot. And I don't have to ask Jesse. Celebration. Four words, celebrate. There's a lot to celebrate today. Here's some other people celebrating. I've showed this picture a number of times. Those are kids celebrating because school is in session. Woohoo! You know, look at all those kids, hands raised up, running. They're all excited. I love this picture. You know, it gives me so excited. They're, they're excited about running to their teacher, right? All of our teachers in here, all of our kids run into our teachers, excited, get it off the playground. I just, I'm so amazed that the kids are that excited running away from the playground. Our kids are excited. Our seniors are excited. You know who else is excited today? Our moms. They're excited. You know why? Because all the kids are in school. They finally get a second to take a breath. They can clean the house a little bit. They can finally go to lunch. They can finally take a shower. They can, they, can, they, can, they can get themselves ready because the kids are in school for a few hours a day. The moms are excited. You know who else is excited? The dads are excited. Woohoo! The dads are excited. Why? Well, kids are in session. Also, football's on TV. Now, this is not American football. This is European football, otherwise known as soccer. But I like the picture of all the whole crowd, the stadium. Look, they're cheering before the game's even started. He's got his hand up. He's pumped up, right? Dads are excited. You know, so I wanted to, you know, just thinking about celebrations and excitement, and I thought about all different ways that people raise hands and get excited, and I thought I had to put up this picture. You know, this is, uh, you know, a concert of sort. People with their hands up, all excited. You know who these are? These are the parents without kids. They're like, yeah, I can party anytime I want. Right? So these are, all the, these are all the singles going out to the concert, enjoying themselves, raising their hands, getting excited. They're celebrating. You see, church, we live in a culture where it's easy to celebrate. We live in a culture where celebration's everywhere around us. We can see how to celebrate. We feel good celebrating. It's a culture that embodies celebration. We like to celebrate, church. Amen? Okay, so the question is simple. What do you celebrate? What do you celebrate? Everyone's mind's wondering. There's probably a bunch of things you'll be willing to talk about. We celebrate birthdays, of course. We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate graduations. We celebrate any type of accomplishment. Yes. I can imagine as your mind's wondering all the crazy things that you feel like you celebrate. But I thought about something again, and the Lord brought this to mind. And I was talking to my kids about it, even last night, just to make sure I got it right. When we go to a birthday party, even a kid's birthday party, and we're all sitting out there, and we're singing happy birthday, or we're opening up gifts, we're part of the celebration. But it doesn't quite feel the same way when I'm celebrating at a birthday party or an anniversary than when it does when I'm celebrating at one of those football or soccer games. Or at those concerts. When I'm celebrating there, I don't know. It's something very different than when I'm celebrating at a birthday party or a graduation. It's a little mind-boggling, right? A birthday party, we're celebrating life. 
graduation, we're celebrating education, anniversary, we're celebrating a marriage, you'd think we'd get really excited about it. But there's something, I don't know, there's something to this celebration, this cheering that happens in these larger events. So then I began to look in the scripture about celebration. And today I want to ask you a different question. Not just what you celebrate. I want to ask you today, when do you revel in celebration? When do you revel in your celebration? Is this the word that you know? Is this the word that you use often? It's a word I haven't used in a very long time. Revel. I don't know why. It's a word maybe I heard in school. We talk about it a little bit now, but it's not something you talk about when you revel in something. Well, let me help you out the definition. Well, the dictionary definition is pretty simple. To revel means to celebrate passionately, to celebrate with noise, to celebrate with clamor, to celebrate with passion. To revel in it. It means in the moment that you're in, to fully embody the celebration. Which is why birthday parties don't feel like that, right? Because there's treats and cupcakes and presents. There's kind of, you know, it's all spread out. Graduations, well, they're boring, sorry. Um, But you get to shake the hands. You, you, You have the party afterwards. You know, when I think about reveling in celebration, what do you think about? You think of sports contests. You think of concerts. How about this one? This was a pretty obvious one. All of those examples of reveling and celebration, they all involved raising your hands. It's a, it's a clear sign that you're reveling when your hands are up. And so I thought, when, when is a, a really opportune time to raise your hands and really experience the revel? On a roller coaster. You know what roller coasters feel like when you're on that roller coaster and you're just like, wow! You know, hands up. You're reveling in the moment with your hands raised, with your voices lifted. What do you revel in today? I want you to get that in your spirit today. Because before I get into the scriptures, I just want to go over a little bit of psychology, right? As I'm walking through this, it's just human nature, right? God works in the natural. He gives us natural laws so we can understand the supernatural, right? And we've talked about this over and over again. It just so happens that the supernatural sometimes begins to activate different laws. And so one of those is this. When I think about the natural and why we revel in celebration, I I think it's because we have opportunities where we're seeing action in front of us. We're seeing actual action and activity. When things begin to activate around us, a roller coaster goes up, a soccer player runs down the sideline with the ball, a quarterback steps back and throws the football, we begin to see the action and our spirit begins to activate. We begin to revel in that. And then as that happens, stage two happens, which is we begin to encourage with our voices, yes, 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 you know. And this, this blows my mind, by the way. So, We'll never at a graduation stand up and go, yes, 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 as the guys are walking up. You know, we'll clap or something. We may go, yay. Or at a birthday party. How many of us have a happy birthday? Like, yes, you made it to five. Woohoo! You know, you know, we made it to 55. We, we, don't, we don't quite revel like that. There's something about There needs to be an action taking place. You need to have an experience, church. Because when you're in that experience, you feel something in your spirit. Your spirit wants to be in an experience, and it begins to revel. Now, that all happens. That all happens without church or the Holy Spirit or God or heaven. That all happens as you walk around here on earth just as a human being. So 
I want to get into this a little more detail so you understand where we're going here in the scripture. When you scream and yell like that, you know, it's, this is just human nature. I don't, I, I, it's, it's not just an American thing because it happens in all countries. We can start to revel and get excited. And sometimes we can revel way too soon. It blows my mind. So, I'm, you know, you guys have seen this, right? The soccer player is running down the field. He's got the ball. He breaks loose. And we're going, yes, yes, go, 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 go. He gets right up. He's in the restraining line. He takes the shot. Go, score, score. He shoots, boom, right over the goal. I mean, it is nowhere near. What were we screaming about? He didn't even score. We celebrate the fact that he just broke loose. Or even better, what about a football game? You've seen these, right? It's football season, so i got to break it out here. You know I like football. No message is complete without a football reference. What about in football, right? Quarterback goes back for a deep pass where he lines up, and he throws the ball, and the ball's in the air. What does the crowd do? Yeah! Woo! He didn't do anything but throw a ball really high in the air. As the ball's coming down, woohoo! You know, what happens when they don't catch it? Yeah! Woohoo! Oh! Do you know what I'm talking about? How about this? Can you turn up a little bit? Listen to the voices. Look at this. There is nothing more embarrassing than being this guy who just dropped this pass. A sure fire. Everyone touchdown. in the crowd is reveling for what? He really this guy's face. He now knows what are you reveling about, he says. Watch, watch his face, watch his mouth. I got it, I got it, I got it. Thomas. Oh, it's oh. Uh, one more angle here. Let me see. Watch. Like Instead that. of catching it, I'm just going to throw the ball. Too soon. Uh -oh. One more time. It was funny. Kenny Stills can't hold it. Poor Kenny Stills. Why did I use a Miami reference? Well, because I'm not going to put up Lee Evans from Baltimore and the Patriots. I'm not going to do that. No, that's a Miami reference of a football pass being dropped. And we revel. But sometimes we revel way too soon. Why would we cheer for something that's about to happen that actually didn't happen? And yet, other times, like a graduation or birthday party, it actually happened. And yet, we're like, yay. Too soon, but anyway. And now I want to introduce you to the scripture of the day. It's in your bulletin. It's in the Bible. It's also on the screen. It's Philippians 4, 4. The verse says, always... Say with me, always. always. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Now, I could have ended there. I could have ended there. This is basically the Bible saying God is good all the time. All the time, always, God is good. But it doesn't end there, church. The verse continues and said, you're not listening to me. It literally says, I'm going to say it again. And now it uses the word rejoice. Now many of you have seen this word rejoice many, many times in Scripture. What do you think of when you think of rejoice? You see, because I go back and look at this, and in this context, this verse, this word rejoice, as I highlighted in yellow, is very, very close to the word I just shared with you called revel. Revel in him. As a matter of fact, in one translation of the Bible, it's translated, it's translated, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. Church, I am trying to tell you today, we need to get a hold that we have something already 
pre-wired in your bodies, in your mind, your spirit, to revel today. And often we use it at the wrong time, the wrong place. And God is saying, if you can't revel in church, then when else are you going to revel? Reveling. Reveling. I believe reveling is a combination of, when I look in Scripture, a lot of times you don't have instruments with you. You know, you're out in public, you don't have a tambourine, you don't have cymbals, you, you don't have a guitar. So the Bible says when they reveled in the days of old, they reveled with their hands and they reveled with their voices, church. Go, go, go. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God is good. God is good. God, I was thinking about that. This whole God is good. Revel always. Revel always. Always be full of the Lord. Always be full of joy. Always, always. You see it in Scripture all the time. And I, you know, as a kid, I was trying to figure out, what does this mean? You kind of get into that really spiritual people, what they say, too heavily minded to be earthly good. You know, the people who you try to meet and have a conversation with, and you just want to see how they're doing, how their day's going. And they just can't get off of having a conversation with you about something way out here. They may start talking about this verse or this Scripture, and they start telling you how you need to do this. It's like, yeah, I want to talk about it, but how are you doing today? You know, let's just, let's just see how you're doing. You know, and, 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 you know, my wife and I were talking about this in the morning as we were driving to church. I think there's been a shift because for the longest time, the way that you could have a conversation and let people know that you're a Christian, one way that you would do that for the last 50 years has pretty much been the PTL. You would say, praise the Lord at some point. This is a good way to revel in your conversation. You say, praise the Lord. You know, you, so you know, you, maybe it's a greeting. Maybe it's a response. Am I saying, yeah, how's work going? Work's going really good. Praise the Lord. You know, but as younger people, I've realized we don't say praise the Lord a lot. I don't know. It just doesn't kind of fit our vernacular. It's not really good. And so I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to say, how can you revel always in the Lord, even in conversation? Praise the Lord's a good way. But here's another way. I use it all the time. I use it as many times as I say anything else. I say it more than almost anything else. When you're having a conversation, how's work going? Work's going great. My boss is treating me well because God is you can revel in the Lord always. Find a way. Find a way that works for you in conversation. Find a way to do it with your voice. Find a way to do it with your hands in church. Revel in the Lord, especially, especially at church. This is the place you need to feel comfortable. You don't need to be looking to your left and right and saying, well, what happens if I raise my hands? What happens if I come down to the altar? I'm, people are going to look at me funny. What happens if I want to dance? What happens if I want to do this? People aren't, you know, they're going to judge me. They're going to, no, incorrect. God has pre-programmed each one of you to revel in your own unique way. How many of you are holding back? Amen? So as I, again, as I'm praying about this verse, Philippians 4, 4, always being full of joys, rejoice in the Lord all the time, revel in Him. I wanted to, again, get you up to speed with how this works in the body. So as I began to study it, I saw these two concepts that you're going to revel in anything if you are expecting something big. If you're about to expect a big play to happen or a band to come out. You know, a lot of times we're cheering during the football games before the players even came out. We're cheering on the concerts before the musicians ever came out. Why are we cheering like this? Why are we cheering? I asked my son this. Why do we cheer like that? We don't cheer at a birthday party before the birthday boy comes out. Woohoo! Bring him out! Come on, birthday boy! We don't. I don't know why. Why? In our anniversary, I don't cheer downstairs. Come on, honey! Woohoo! Can't wait till you come. Happy anniversary! We don't. Right? We need to learn how to revel in all that we do. You see what I'm saying? We need to learn how to revel. We need to expect bigger church. We serve a God who's going to heal you, who's going to meet you, who's going to restore you, who's going to protect you, who's going to provide for you. Expect it, church, and revel in it. 
But it's not just that. As I was talking to my kids, they're like, Dad, it's not just expecting, right? When you're cheering like that and when you're reveling like that, oftentimes you're encouraging someone. You're encouraging the musicians to come out. You're encouraging the soccer player to have a little extra energy. You're encouraging the football player to catch the ball. You're trying to be encouraging. And so I'm here today trying to tell you that when you begin to revel in him, you begin to unleash encouragement. You encourage, A, the Holy Spirit to move in your life. Do you want the Holy Spirit to move in your life today? Encourage him. Encourage him. Look, if I was, now I'm not the Holy Spirit, so this is not blasphemy here. But if I was the Holy Spirit, and I'm hanging out in heaven, why would I want to come down here? I'm hanging out in heaven. The angels, the big G, I'm good to go. Why would I want to come down to this sinful place called earth? He comes down because we encourage him, church. Encourage the Holy Spirit. We encourage the Holy Spirit to come into the service when we pray. We encourage during the week for the Holy Spirit to move. We encourage the Holy Spirit. When you revel in God, you encourage the Holy Spirit. You also encourage those around you, church. When Amber and the band is up there worshiping and they're encouraging, it's why I love. Isn't it amazing watching all ten of them worship the Lord? There's almost not room to contain all of them. Amen. I can't wait till we got levels of them. I can't wait until, you know, I'm over here worshiping. I'm reveling in the Lord. You know, I need a lot of space. That's why I don't sit back there with the other people. I, I would hit them in the face. You know, I need a lot of space to move around, to worship, to praise the Lord. I pray for the day. I don't have space. There's too many people. I got to move out to get some space, church. You see what I'm saying? And I, I pray for the day. I encourage the day when we are encouraging those around us, church. And not just encouraging them, not just encouraging them in all the things that we do that aren't good, but encouraging them in the things that are good. Encouraging them in how to worship, encouraging them how to lift our voices and lift our hands. And what I want to say to you today, you know, the, the, the main point about this, is going out of your way. Have you gone out of your way to revel God today? Have you gone out of your way to revel in God today? Because that's what Philippians 4.4 4 says. So as I thought about encouraging, there's one more encouraging that you're doing. When you encourage, when you revel in the Lord and you're encouraging, you're encouraging the Holy Spirit, you're encouraging others, you're encouraging one more. You're encouraging one more. And to understand this, I'm going to turn you to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. It's the Psalm of David. He wrote a lot of psalms, but this one in particular, I want to read this to you. Now, before I read, I need to tee this up. I'm talking about encouraging. I'm talking about reveling in the Lord. I want to give you an example of reveling in worship and in prayer at the same time. This is a man who wrote, this is actually an acrostic. Now, I don't know where the teachers are, but acrostic has something to do uh, with like the letters at the beginning and the number of syllables, something like that. In Hebrew, um, it actually follows the, the first letter of um, the word he was spelling out as he went and did. So it's like a giant poem. So it's a song, it's a prayer, um, it's a poem, all cooked up into one here. And I want to read it to you because I want you to see how this man revels in the Lord. I want you to pick out the things that God is doing that he's expecting to be big. See the things that he is doing to encourage 
I want you to hear it. And I'm going to read through it here, and I want you to feel the passion in Psalm 34. It says, I will praise the Lord at all times. It's saying God is good all the time. And then the next verse, and all the time God is good. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. I won't talk about all those things in my life that I think are important. I'm going to give credit all the time to God. Let all those who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness today. Let us exalt his name together, church. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. How many of you need answered prayers today? He's in the business of answering you. It says, he freed me of all of my fears. How many of you today are in fear of something that world is putting in front of you? He is here to release you of those fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. When you walk out those doors, there's nothing but shadows of shame trying to be cast on you, telling you how you're not good enough, telling you what you've done wrong, telling you how your past will dictate your future. Church, we serve a God who says, quote, no shadow of shame will darken your face. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord of heaven and earth listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. And for those of you who don't quite get a hold of this because you do a good job of providing for yourself. This next verse is really interesting. I wrote it down. I wanted to say it. I was going to end at 9, but I got to read 10 to you. Verse 10 of Psalm 34 says, Even the strong young lions. This is talking about all those strong ones out there who've got an education, who've got a good opportunity in life. All those who are ambitious. All those going the extra mile. All those who think they can put two to two together and work things out. All those strong lions. They sometimes even go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Church, that is how we revel in the Lord. Encouraging oneself. Reminding us of the great things that God is doing. Why is this important? Because this is what David said right around this time. In Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed, but David encouraged, say encourage, encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This was not a time for David to be reveling in anything. His own army was looking to kill him. He was under tremendous stress, church. And what do we do? What do most people do when they're under stress? I can go and show you other psalms. When people are under stress, when they're under great distress, what people mostly do is they blame someone. It's your fault. My boss's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's my neighbor's fault. It's the economy's fault. It's the president's fault. It's some guy over there in China's fault. It's the pastor's fault. Somebody's got to be at fault because it certainly ain't my fault. He had every opportunity to blame everyone here. Everyone's trying to kill David, even his own people. 
He didn't look to blame. He looked to God. Don't look to blame. Look to Jesus. He said, he encouraged himself. Church, I want to encourage you today. I, I wish I had the words that would light you up on fire today. But I want you to know that in him we live, we breathe, and we have our being. Church, God has given you all that you need to be successful in this world. He wants to inhabit you, church. He wants to encourage you as you encourage him to come in. It says, be strong, church, and courageous. Do you understand? You have nothing to fear. God has already won the war. Certainly, there are battles to fight. But God has already determined the end. When you encourage, when you revel in the Lord, you encourage the Holy Spirit. You encourage those around us. And you also encourage yourself. You need to encourage your spirit today to get on board with where you are going. Encourage your spirit. Spirit, don't be distracted about what's going on at work. Don't be distracted about what's going on at home. Don't be distracted by those temptations and the desires that are fleeting. Don't be distracted by the sin that we're presented with. But Spirit, get a hold. We're about to go to church and we'll find Jesus and he will fill us in his name. Amen. Amen. So I told you about reveling at the wrong time. Church is the right time to revel. But I want to talk to you about something a little more serious right now. This verse is what prompted this whole message. When I read it, I couldn't believe it. I read it again and read it again and read it again, and it brought me to tears. It brought me to tears because of the possibility. The Bible tells us there is occasions where we can revel in the wrong thing. We can choose to revel incorrectly. Well, what do you mean? I wanted an example of somebody reveling incorrectly and show the impact it had on somebody. It was very hard to find. I owe it to my kids for the help here. I'm going to tee this up here. I'm about to show you a video, and it needs a little bit of backdrop so you can understand. Now, here's this video. Her name is Kendall. And she was cheering for a very important baseball game on television. And her family is in Louisville, and they were cheering for the Cardinals. And her dad and everyone was cheering for the Cardinals. They were playing in the championship game just recently, Kentucky Wildcats. So this little girl is supposed to be cheering for the Cardinals. But she somehow got caught up in all of it, and she was cheering for the wrong team. She literally got to the point where she was cheering so hard. Get this for a second. I need you to get this. She was cheering so hard for the wrong team on accident. She literally says, I forgot the name of the team I wanted to cheer for. Did you hear that? She got so caught up in what she was reveling in, she forgot the name of who she wanted to cheer for. And then at the end, the mom or the babysitter, whoever was in the back there, the mom asked this question. Who do you usually cheer for? Church, who do you usually cheer for? And I'm not asking you about sports right now because more than the Raiders, more than birthday parties, more than anniversaries or graduations, more than job promotions, 
more than little babies coming into the world, and I love little babies coming into the world, I know the thing that excites me more than anything else is Jesus Christ and his presence in my life. So church, who do you cheer for? Do you cheer for Jesus like you cheer for your favorite team? Do you cheer for Jesus like you cheer for these other events and activities in your life? Do you understand that you have an opportunity to cheer for him? You have an opportunity to expect something big in these worship service, to anticipate the big play, what Jesus is about to do in your life or in someone else's. Encourage him and revel in our worship. We live in a free spirit church. We live in a church that allows you the, the liberty and the freedom to worship him in any way you wish. And do you take the opportunity and revel in him today? Because if we're not careful, we can get it wrong. If we're not careful, we can end up glorifying someone else. We can end up glorifying ourselves. We could even end up from the pulpit here giving glory to Satan. I'm not giving glory to Satan. I don't want to give any glory to him for anything. I believe whatever Satan is using, God can use it for good because he is good. I'm not going to give glory to chance, to luck, to destiny. I'm only going to give glory to the one name. The question is, could you and I get so caught up in our lives and in this world, so caught up in the revelry that exists outside of church, that we could one day forget his name? Look what the Bible says. In Psalms 44:20. if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign I want you to think about this. The Bible actually talks about instances where people have forgotten who God is. They've literally begun to extend their hands and revel something other than God. Your hands, your voices were designed to revel the king of kings. If you continue to use them for something other than that, you may be subject to one day forgetting who it is that you actually want to revel. It says here, I'll show you. It says here, would God not have already discovered it since he knows the secrets of your heart? God knows what you want to revel in today. God knows where your excitement and your passions lie. God knows where you want to spend your time and your energy. Today I ask you, if we say that our hearts are supposed to be on fire for God, how can we say we're on fire for him if our hearts are cold to his presence? Our hearts are cold to one another. Church, I want you to get excited and to fire yourself up. And will we go out of our way? Will we go out of our way today to revel in God and to raise our hands to him and no other foreign God? Will we, church? Okay, so I want to end here with one more point about the celebration and about this revelry. And this one's important because as I think about revelry and as I think about just worship and exciting and getting excited. A lot of times, if I'm having this conversation, you know, maybe with our older generation, you know, they would think I'm talking about all of the hoobla, right? The kids running around and, and maybe dancing at the altar or getting just loud and crazy. And, you know, oftentimes on this conversation, they would say to me, yeah, I used to be that way too, but I'm, I'm, maybe I don't have as much energy or maybe I can't get up and move the way I used to move. And so I'm content with sitting here. And so as I looked in the scripture, I wanted to share something that was particularly important for our older generation. And it's very important for our younger generation to understand how God works. 
So I want to share a couple more scriptures here as we begin to close. And I'm going to do it with this picture here. Take a look at this picture. So it's a left to right. On the left, you have a marriage, a wedding. And in that wedding, you have the man putting the ring on the finger. And then years later, you have the little, little baby. Oh, another joyous event. And then the baby grows up, and the baby ends up getting married and puts a ring on another finger. But then look what happens. Then the baby has to lay someone down to rest. You see, in the natural, in the world we live in, great is at the beginning. Great is birth. Great is a wedding. Great is the new car. But then it all begins to fade away, right? You begin to get older, and you begin to suffer in body or in mind. The marriage gets more and more and more difficult. The car gets dings and nicks and scratches. You see, this world teaches us that the greatness fades away all through and up until death. It begins with life, and then it ends in death. It tells us that if we sin today, we can enjoy the sin, but we know that there'll be sorrow tomorrow. That we may be laughing in our youth today, but we'll be mourning tomorrow. As time goes on, the world constantly wants to remind us that it's a spectrum of great getting to bad. You know, as I thought about that too, as I thought about Scripture, I want to share one quick tip because we do a lot of marriage work, my wife and I and some of the leaders in the church. We're doing a marriage thing tonight even with some of the uh, young people, and I want to share something with you, um, a, a little trick I've learned. You know, we will celebrate an anniversary, we will celebrate a wedding, and then we go about our day and we begin as married couples to enjoy our lives and, and have kids and, and do all sorts of things. And there are many times in a marriage where a really traumatic something will happen in any relationship, a traumatic something, a, a really, really bad fight, you know, or somebody said something or something happened. It's just bad. And what you'll usually say after that is, man, I'll never, I'll never forget that. And it kind of sticks with you. And you get enough of these together, and it begins to create lots of problems in a marriage. Something you say, something you did, something you can't take back, something that happened on accident. Well, that's the problem. Is a lot of these things happen, they sneak up on you. Why don't we in our marriages celebrate them? Why don't we revel in our marriage? You know, we talk about date night and spending time on a date night. That's the first step. My wife and I like to take it even a step further. We like to say, let's create a moment. Let's purposely create a moment, a good one, an extra special, amazing one that we know we'll never forget. Let's go out of our way to create amazing moments that we can revel in. Church, if we can get a hold of this in our relationships with our children, with our friends, with our spouses, and with God, you will have so much more to revel in. Amen? Get a hold of that. So what the Bible teaches is, is that this greatness isn't supposed to start at the beginning and end at the end. You see, it says in the Bible, it talks about the feasts, and it talks about the, the holy days, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the greatest feast in the Bible. This feast, guess when it happened? At the end of the year. And you know why it happened at the end of the year? They wanted to make a point that we need to celebrate at the end of the year, not at the beginning of the year, because God's ways are different than the ways of the world. In the supernatural, great joy comes at the end. You see, God's ways, in all of God's ways, they all lead to 
joy. It's the opposite in the world. You sin, you lead to damage and torment. When you follow God's ways, whatever those ways are, if those ways are sacrifice, if those ways are self-control, if those ways are righteousness, oftentimes we say, oh, there's, there's no fun in that. I don't understand this boring life I live. Well, that's untrue. You see, you're making the point to live for God now so the greatness will come in the days to follow. Do you see? God saves the best for Thank you. God saves the best for last, church. Church, I'm trying to get a hold of this. For those of you who've been in church for so long, you may wonder, what's next? I'm telling you what's next. God is saving the best for last. Young people, it says this in Scripture. Psalm 1611. I took this out of the message uh, version because I just love the way it's written. I want you to hear the words of the Bible. Listen to this. Now you've got my feet on the life path. And all radiant from the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right path. Church, when we get a hold that God is taking our hand and walking us down the path that he has for us, called the life path, the way of life, the Bible calls it, he will take our hand and he will produce in us this right way. The King James calls it fullness of joy he has waiting for you. Pleasures forevermore. That's what it says. Fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore in 1611. On the right path. On the life path. Church, we have something to get excited about. Amen? I want you to learn how to go out of your way to revel God today. I want you to learn to go out of your way regardless of your age regardless of your experiences with God, regardless of your experiences in other churches, regardless of, of your demeanor, type A, type B. And I'm not talking about everybody worshiping God the same way, everybody reveling God the same way. No, everyone will worship God, will revel in God differently. But you need to learn to take a hold of giving him joy, giving him encouragement, giving him everything you got as often as you have breath to do it. The Bible says this. Well, actually, Frank Sinatra said this, but the Bible said it very similar to this. The best is yet to come. Uh, the, Jesus said it like this. Jesus said it like this. And this is, this is for you, your, the, the older generation. I want you to get a hold of this. It says, everyone brings out the choice wine first. Then the cheaper wine after the guests have already drink or drank too much. But you, you, Jesus, you have saved the best for last. You have saved the best till now. God's ways are a path of joy that we should be confident that it's going to get better. King's way is going to get better. Our walk with God is going to get better got to understand what your tomorrow has is going to be better. God has more to come, church. There is still better on the horizon. God is not done with us. He has not removed his Holy Spirit from this planet. That doesn't happen until the tribulation. Sure, we're in the last days, but we still have his Holy Spirit here today, church, and he wants you to experience better. Will you go out of your way to revel in God today? Will you get a hold of the confidence that He has something in store for you that is better? Church, will you get a hold of that with me? 
We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.